it's tough because a lot of the times when things happen, just like the COVID-19 pandemic, emergency powers and the actions taken by both local, state, and federal government are in the guise or under the disguise of, you know, for the public good, protect the public health crisis. Our scientists are finding information that we need to do this thing, so we're going to do this thing. I think I think back to the movie, uh, to make it more hyperbolic, uh, the movie critically acclaimed with Academy Award nominee John Cusack, 2012. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go on. In my experience, conversations are best had with a glass of whiskey. Join me, Alan Kogan, as I engage in meaningful discussions while enjoying a glass of my favorite spirit. Welcome to the Kogan Conversation. Okay, stop what you're doing. Jackson? Listen to me. I've rented a plane. Pack up the kids. I'm going to be there in five plane? minutes. What are, you, what are you talking about? Hey, California is going down. Pack up the kids now. They just got back. When they tell you not to panic, that's when you run. No, but like this thing hap- was happening. Scientists were sounding the alarm. And then the government created lottery tickets for, for people who had the money or the power or the namesake to go on these arcs to survive and restart civilization down the road. We're either going to be that cynical about the government and the powers and that's 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 just how corrupt things can become where literally even during a natural disaster, we're just going to fuck off everyone who is poor or not of certain blood type or the government is doing everything in truly in true good faith they make missteps and they take more than they should while it's bad they aren't doing it to, to take power they're doing it because it is path of least resistance to try to get to a, a point whether you and i agree with that point or the path that doesn't matter we have to ask ourselves the question is that if, if the government is this nefarious actor that we're we're framing that in this conversation, then everything they do is bad. I don't think that. I, I, I don't think the government's not a person. The government is a is a is a thing that we've created to help manage logistics of society. If their job is to protect our life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, isn't their job also to provide information and to give recommendations and to fund some science and get the scientists out there to do things and the scientists report back and then say, hey, we recommend this, and then the White House says this, and then if they do take that extra step where they say, hey, we're going to impose a mask mandate, and we all agree for the first two weeks because it's like, oh shit, they're kind of scared and we they don't know what's going on. We don't know what's going on. And then if we just decide to just roll with it forever and we never take that power back, different people get elected and then they misuse that power that the previous people that were elected were given. That's the problem. That nuance isn't being talked about. I don't think that the Biden administration, the Trump administration, Pelosi, McConnell, I don't think that they're, you know, obviously they have ulterior motives in line in their pocketbook with with lobbying and, and, and shares and insider trading and, and getting votes and getting power to suit them, of course. But I genuinely don't think that they're trying to attack American people's daily lives. I just think that they're doing their job, plus making themselves feel better because they're narcissists as politicians. We have to be vigilant in framing it the right way. I don't think the government is a bad thing. I think it can be misused. And the public health crisis that we saw in COVID is, is, you know, the start of that. So is the government this awful, stupid lottery creating 2012 silly plot line of, of, of that movie? Or is it the government of of, I don't know, Outbreak with Dustin Hoffman and Morgan Freeman 
where they shut down an entire town and the National Guards had weapons pointed at people and you had a concentration camp of a town and you, you had this outbreak of a contagion. The government, they weren't trying to take the lives and the freedoms away from those people. They were trying to prevent mass death. So if that's, you know, we can have, an, obviously there was an overreaction to COVID. You and I agree on that. But is it in bad faith or is it just so mismanaged? And is it because the government is just so bloated that they just are tripping over their own feet, trying to keep some semblance of notoriety and approval rate? that is vanity i think it's a mixture of three things i think it's the latter what you just said it's it's years and years and years of us giving all of our power up to government to do what's right for us for safety or out of fear or out of any number of things and that's it's understandable from yeah i i get it from any one person's point of view like yeah like there's there's threats that we faced we want to be safe in our own homes and government can help facilitate that depending but also we gave up too much power unfortunately and the worst part of it is the people that we've given it up to are incompetent it's sheer incompetence that's led us here and it's gonna it's gonna lead to our ultimate crash and unraveling honestly and the next step beyond that is there's people out there outside of this country and other countries who are competent to take advantage of that maybe that's what it is at the end of the day and then that's honestly that's on to me it's even more sinister it's like yeah there's i mean deep state blah 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 whatever i'm not into it i don't there's people who have been in government for a long time and maybe they do some shady shit here and there but there's not like this like in our country at least i don't think there's this elite cabal like eating babies and QAnon bullshit where they're like controlling every little action here and there. I think it is just sheer incompetence. It's like the Atlas Shrugged future where we're just gonna we we were great at one point and now we're just it's just it's running on on whatever fumes it has left until it eventually the train eventually stops and burns. What do you think the end scene of that is though? Do you think civil war means a restructured and rebirth of America? Or do you think it means that we're we're just we might keep our way of life as you know being Americans, but we're we're so far down the totem pole in the world stage that it's just we just kind of fizzle out. I think it's a fizzle. There's a scenario that would never actually happen, but I, I wanted to maybe ask you in terms of like a hypothetical, like, I don't know if you heard the argument about like a national divorce. There's states on either side, like blue and red states that have proposed like a legit secession from this country, um, whether it be California or Texas, or I think Massachusetts has one or New Hampshire or whatever. I don't know like serious proposals for this. I mean, it's like maybe maybe a total violent war breakdown of society divide isn't the way to go. Maybe an amicable divorce is the way to go. And yeah, maybe that that does definitely weaken our stance when it comes to the world stage. But does the United States need to be that world police, world power that it has been for the last 250 years? Do we actually need that? Or can we just let one way be a being be in a certain part of the country and then want, let the other way of being be in another part of the country and just say, all right, that's that's it. Yeah, but that that was the point of the United States to begin with. I know you're not advocating for it. I know you're just you're just posing it, but the the, the idea, this theory of a national divorce screams incompetence to what our civil society and our democracy was built on. The constitution is a is a is a is a document that designed the federal government to just be a facilitator and the state governments and the states were their own things. And I made this comment earlier with with the civil war comparison is that back in the day people had more identity with their state. I was a Virginian before I was an American, but I'm a Virginian and the Virginians are part of the United States. 
But nowadays, we all are American, right? Every football game, we're American flag and national anthem. And there's nothing wrong with national pride and being proud of where you're from. But when it translates into just worship of a centralized government in Washington, D.C. that has no cultural connection to what you're doing, that's the problem. So the national divorce needs to be all 50 states divorcing from the national government and backtracking all the way back to what it originally was meant to be, how it's written in the Constitution. Hawaii and Alaska and Maine and Texas and California and whatnot, they're very different. They have different populations, different people, different immigrants, different religions, different ways you say things. Wisconsin says bubbler. Illinois and Minnesota say pop instead of soda. That's a cultural thing. And it's okay to have that. And obviously larger cities that are more condensed tend to be more left or whatever. And rural cities tend to be more right. But there's never been this massive divide from why, why all of a sudden does Texas give a shit about California for? It's because there's such mass hysteria coming from the federal government making comments on the stage, either from the, the presidential pulpit or during a debate during the DNC or RNC election season or on national media. And it's we're celebritizing these people and then their opinion is gold to us that if, if, if the, the governor of Florida can go on Twitter and dunk on the governor of New York and say, oh, you're stupid. Your state's running things the wrong way. Well, guess what, buddy? They elected that person. That's how they want to be governed. That's their choice. So, and they can fix that in the next four years when another gubernatorial race comes up. Your people decided to vote for you in your state. Worry about your state. Your state has your... So that's the problem that we have to fix. There doesn't need to be a national divorce of secession or whether it's like the the country of Florida. That's that's my knee-jerk reaction to it, I guess. Yeah, I think you're making the best point for national divorce I've ever heard. (laughs) Well, shit. <laughs> I think you're you're arguing it so well. I think in a perfect world, I think we have a, a, a national experiment called not national divorce, but a national separation. We just need to take a little time apart and go have sex with some other people and, and figure out, you know, California can just have fun with China for a little while along with New York and they can do their own thing. And then, you know, Texas can hang some gays for a little while. And I'm being facetious, of course, and I'm, I'm, go- I'm doing I'm saying ridiculous things. But and then after 10 years, we all come back together. We had a little fun. And now we we're, we're our bonds are strengthened because of it. But this I think you, you what you're talking about with what we started off with as, as a country with with where we are with like independence and the Bill of Rights and the Constitution and, and states were just were their own thing, but they were a part of the United states i think we bungled that unfortunately or did we bungle that i don't know i don't know i necessarily think that but maybe we bungled it and maybe the only way to for things to get better now or for things to break every month grant and i will tackle an important topic while enjoying a glass of whiskey if you don't agree with our opinions on these issues that's great we want to hear from you and hear your side of the story our goal is to understand different perspectives and engage in conversations that matter without regressing to the same division that exists in our hyperpartisan politics we can and must do better in finding common ground discussions breed solutions the kogan conversation is a podcast that welcomes respectful discourse paired with a glass of whiskey of course if you'd like to offer your take on an upcoming episode or join us for a glass of whiskey please reach out to us on social media or head over to our website and send us a message. (laughs) 
wouldn't it be nice to know what topics are coming up and when an episode is releasing from the Coden Conversation? Subscribing to our podcast on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, following us on Spotify, and of course following us on social media helps immensely. You can also head over to our website and sign up for our email list so you never miss out on any episodes or information. Cheers! But is it is it irreparable? I think things need to get much worse before they can get better. I think I think before we can rebuild this building, we needed to demolish whatever's there. And this isn't like a this isn't like a total like communist takeover of the government. I think a collapse is going to happen no matter what. And I think there can be it can be a horrible train wreck or it can be uh, an amicable split. I can't I don't think we're ever going to get to. Well, I mean, I shouldn't say never, but we're. I don't think we're at that point right now. I don't think today as we speak, we're so far gone from federalism that we can't elect the right people, pass the correct legislation to make sure we can roll things back to get back to the point where maybe not all the way back to 1860 style, you know, I'm a Virginian because that's just a cultural change that's happened. But you can't legislate culture. As long as we're rolling back government power, allowing states and local governments to have more of a hand on what they're doing with guidance and maybe facilitation and, and where needed funding from the federal government. I don't think we're past that. I think we could still do that. I think you elect the right people. I think you have, I think, I think 2024 and 2028 and the midterms between them are going to be the most telltale. And then in 2030, when things have either gotten better or have stayed the same or whatever, you know, we'll come back on here and I, I I'll either eat my words or I think that we might go like, oh, well, maybe it took maybe this maybe the system breaking like you're talking about is the fact that a Donald Trump can get elected. And then that the response is a a, a neocon 80 year old man who is well-intentioned, nice guy, but come on, man, <laughs> but incapable of handling the task before him because no one could. Do we did we need that? Did we need uh, an eloquent, you know, orator in Obama? who divided the country unintentionally just because that's the nature of the beast. And then, and also the rise of social media and how much of that has played into the role of this and mainstream media and all that crap. And then you have Donald Trump as a reaction. And he is just this wrench in the the gears of our Republic, not for better, not for worse. It's just, it's just a change. It's just a, it's a weird anomaly that everyone wasn't ready for, including Donald Trump himself. Was that the break was, and, and, and then we, and we come back to try to calm things down and, and, and slow the proverbial car down and relax for a minute and say, okay, we got the bad guy that we know that everyone didn't like off of Twitter, whether we agree with that or not. He's quiet. And now things are more quiet and the water is more still. Okay. Well, inflation slowly rising. Student debt is still a thing. Uh, housing prices are still going up and the pandemic still looming and not getting worse. It's not Biden's fault. It's it's a it's a combination of a bunch of things that have happened since seven presidents ago. Is the next guy or the next election going to be indicative of what the national response is? If if, if enough people vote the right way, because they're so sick and tired of what's going on, you know, I don't think we're. Are we really divided fifty fifty? I think it's. I think when it comes down to brass tacks, if you actually sat everyone down in a room, it'd be like 78, 79, 80 percent versus twenty on a lot of issues. On a lot of issues. I think the biggest issue, and I don't. This is probably the most irreparable issue, is it's figuring out how to divorce ourselves culturally, not legally, but culturally from the federal government, not allowing the presidential election to be this New Year's Year's Eve event on live TV where we have balloons fall from the sky and it's like, oh my God, it's amazing. Stop it. That's dumb. 
put more faith and 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 execution and and time and resource into your local government, your local officials, your local alder person, your local city council member, school board member. And once that changes, then I think we're good. But I think what what it's going to take is to have someone at the federal level who's saying that. I think it's possible. I don't think we're at the point of no return yet. I think if we have another couple elections where and and a, a continuous Congress that we just keep going down this slope of taking advantage of the division that exists for power and money, and you have people like AOC saying on Twitter that if you're not with me, then you're against me, and you know dumb dumb things that just divide and 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 amp up rhetoric. If that happens continuously for the next four, eight, twelve years, then I think I'm going to be with you. Then I think we have a problem. But today, I think we can still fix it. I think we're st- I think we're still able to do something. I think the courts are still pretty sturdy. I think our processes are still pretty sturdy. I think there are some dumb things the government has been doing. I think the powers have been over exaggerated, but I think we can still come back. I like your optimism. <laughs> and I hope to God that you are right that we're not past the point of no return. I struggle buying that a little bit. Maybe I'm just too too deep in the weeds to see that future. But yeah. No, I hope you're right. Yeah, I hope I'm right too. I don't I don't I don't necessarily know if I'm that optimistic. I just think I that's it's I think that's the way that I have to think because I do love this country. I do I do think we have one of the most incredible privileges to live on, you know, this continent. You know, to to even think about a civil war breaking out, destroying our social fabric. I mean, <laughs> Look at the look at that. What happened with this, the first civil war? Is we had basically an attempted national divorce. The husband beat the wife and ran out of the, of the house. But then the wife chased him down and killed his brother, and then brought him back into the house and said, "This is a union again." That's what the civil war was. That's a great depiction of our of our union forces, the good the quote unquote <laughs> good guys in the civil war. It's um, <laughs> a bad analogy. I was just having fun. I know what you're saying. I really do. But like, I'm kind of in the place where it's like I also love this country and i even love i love that there's people that i don't agree with and if they're not going to come to the table to talk then maybe i just gotta let them blow off some steam a little and do their own thing and just kind of not get involved a part of that is divorcing myself from this idea that it's that it's there that there are parts in this country and that's why there there is a divide that it is where it's like whoever's in washington whatever the, the figurehead at the top is Whatever they're going to do, it's not going to affect what I'm doing here. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And I kind of think I'm, I'm like buying into the idea that that's the right way to be, especially that, especially a place like America where you're right. It was very much like different states had different values. And despite that, they could all come together and call themselves one nation and embrace each other's differences. And that is the main thing that has gone out the window where we are preoccupied with, oh, well, what's Florida doing? Oh, what, can you believe what they're doing out in California? Can you believe what they're doing down in Texas? It's like, okay, yeah, but that doesn't affect what the fuck you're doing unless it's what we're seeing with a place like California where what they're doing is causing a bunch of people to say, fuck that, I'm out of here, I'm going somewhere else. And then that could potentially change the values of a place like Texas where they're fleeing to. It's a different world than we were 250, 300 years ago. Maybe we're not past the point of no return, but I like the idea that what could fix it won't necessarily be just a de-evolution into, I don't know, feudalistic warlords tearing each other apart at the at, and, and while the people in Washington watch and light their cigars with money that they've just printed. I think I'm confident that you know, after all we've talked about so far, if there were to be another civil war, however we define that 100 years from now. It will not be akin or anywhere near what the original Civil War was. 
And I think that's a good thing. I think I think at most there might be a minimal bloodshed. Hopefully not. Hopefully there's nothing that's go, that goes wrong. But I think at, at most it'll be a, a very fervent cultural argument across state lines that, you know, leads to mass protests. And maybe maybe it gets to a point where we just, where everyone just goes through and throws their hands up in the air and says, maybe we do need to have a conversation with each other. You know, I, I think the human condition is pretty strong. I think we've evolved well past the archaic, barbaric lust for bloodshed. Or, you know, it's it's really easy for people to chant, lock her up or, you know, hang Mike Pence during the January 6th Capitol shit show or, you know, whatever, because because people are dumb and can chant things and be stupid. Right. Would they if they ever put to the task, would they ever have would they ever do something? No. Ninety percent of them would take a selfie with Hillary Clinton and and smile and then they'd go on twitter and then say oh took a picture with this bitch ha 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 lock her up you know it's like you you would never they're, they're proving my point is that they would never do the thing they, they, because that's not we're not wired that way we're not a bunch of bloodthirsty murderous assholes we're just assholes i think once you get past that layer true colors show that's why i'm pretty confident that it won't be a, a this mass bayonet musket field fight I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting to see what happens, and I I, I I do I do yearn for the idea of what we're discussing in the next fifty to hundred years about this time, because people from fifty years ago are still living today, and life has changed drastically in the last ten years for them. I mean, probably by the time we're old and gray, Grant will be doing this podcast on our Google glasses with augmented reality and microchips with your seventeenth booster shot. This podcast is a work of passion and it's completely self-funded. We want to continue providing this platform dedicated to free thought and conversation, but we kindly ask that you show your support. Patreon isn't just a platform where you can give a small monthly donation. It also gives you exclusive access to extended, unedited episodes, bonus content, as well as creative input into whatever we cover. Being a supporter on Patreon makes you a member of the Kogan Conversation family and helps us continue this passion project. For just a few bucks a month, you can help us grow. The more we grow, the more perks can come to being a supporter on Patreon. Head over to our website and learn how you can sign up. Thank you for listening to the conclusion of this conversation on the next Civil War. Looking ahead, Alan returns from training next month, so be sure to tune back in for a fresh discussion in April on nuclear war. Beyond that, we are lining up even more fun topics for the coming months. If you want to be in on the conversation before we record, be sure to check out our Patreon and subscribe for as little as $2 a month and send us your suggestions for future episodes. You might even end up being featured as a guest on the show. Cheers! I know for your eyes told me so. I'm Alan. And I'm Grant. Thank you for listening to The Kogan Conversation. This podcast is about engaging with different perspectives, values, and ideas. We want to learn how to progress conversations on important topics without assuming the worst in each other. Each month, we will tackle a new topic while enjoying a glass of our favorite spirit and shed light on the beauty of good conversation. Until next time. Cheers.